Welcome to the Turning Point Show, where we pull back the curtain on high-performance individuals. Here's your host, Andrew O'Malley. Welcome to episode 6 of the Turning Point Show podcast. I'm your host, Andrew O'Malley, and delighted to have Alex Berman on the, the show this week. You know, Alex is a really fascinating character. He's achieved a lot of success at a young age, and you know, he's really going from strength to strength, so he's someone you should definitely, definitely be following. Um, so we really touch upon a lot of different things in this episode, from lead generation to get involved, starting a business, to living a digital nomad life. So uh, a lot, lot more as well in addition to that. So it really is a great interview with Alex. And as a side note, this is actually the first ever interview I conducted about six weeks ago for the podcast, and it was only now that I was able to get it, get my hands on it because it was on a different device when it was recorded. So. Um, I'm delighted to bring it bring it to you now and it's funny just kind of comparing the most recent episodes that I've recorded and this one just to see you know the difference in um, I suppose how comfortable I am on the on the mic and uh, the type of questions I'm asking so it's uh, we're really going from strength to strength so I hope you enjoyed the episode and take care so the guest on today's podcast is Alex Berman who's the founder of experiment 27 they're effectively an outsourced chief marketing officer for digital agencies. So they focus on driving quality leads to them and they utilize a variety of marketing channels to do so. Uh, he's generated over $20 million in leads over the last year or so. So, you know, the results really speak for themselves. I've been following Alex personally for over a year now. He has a great YouTube channels. I add a lot of value to both my business and me on a personal, personal level. So... Uh, he covers a wide range of topics over there, so I'd highly recommend you checking checking that out when you get a chance. But uh, so I'd like to welcome Alex onto the podcast and just say thank you very much for coming on, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. So I suppose uh, just to dive in, we'll kind of start from the beginning. Just if you want to give us a bit, brief background about yourself and how you got started in business and your journey, you went along to to get to where you are now with Experiment Twenty Seven. Sure. Yeah, I started Experiment 27 um, because I was working as a junior account manager at this company called Dom & Tom. Uh, they did mobile app development, about a 50-person company. Um, and I moved from being that junior account manager up to uh, director of marketing by uh, kind of becoming a, a contractor. Um, when I was junior account manager out there, they were getting about 14 leads a month to their website. And I was really frustrated because uh, all the sales guys were splitting those 14 leads between like four people. So I had to study and figure out how to increase the number of leads over there. Um, and we ended up driving them uh, from those 14 leads a month. In the first month, we got them up to 40 leads a month. And that year, I was the, uh, the top salesman. I even beat, up the, beat out the founders. And then in the, in the last year, uh, they've grown from 50 people. Now they're just touching 100 people, like just 98 people. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the leads we generated... Like it's, it's, it's been at least two to 2.5 million in closed business just in uh, 2016 from the stuff. And, and they're actually still clients of ours. So from there, I took it um, from just having one agency as clients to now we have about a dozen, a little over a dozen uh, mobile app development agencies where we do marketing for them. Our team is about, uh, it used to be 11 people. I just fired somebody. So 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you don't want to share what you fired them for, but, uh, uh, that sounds great. Uh, so obviously when you went out on yourself, you probably, you're fairly confident in your ability to make Experiment 27 a success because you'd obviously uh, proven yourself previously. Um, but I suppose, what would you say to people who kind of 
they're starting out on their journey and they don't know exactly where where they want to to go or what what sort of industry they want to base themselves in like how did you find your niche your you target pretty much digital agencies as far as I'm aware so how, how did you find your niche and how did you kind of put your finger on what exactly you wanted to do yeah I think it's um I think it's just like something that happens so my my outlook when it comes to finding passion or any of that stuff is uh I've always just tried to commit to something and then just like work on it um and the the thing that I always try to justify to myself is it doesn't matter what I'm doing um now like I could always be doing something different in a year or two years or three years so like if I'm committing to something now it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to have to be doing that in 10 years or 20 years and that's that's always helped me like I picked digital agencies I kind of just fell into it um I I started working at Dom and Tom because I really liked the tv show Mad Men uh so I really wanted to become like a Peter or like a Don Draper style character (laughs) that's funny so uh is there so I suppose you've been in business how long have you been uh, in business now, Experiment 27. How, how uh, X27 is about a year and a half old. Okay. And I've been, I've been working, I've, I've only been working like maybe four and a half years. Yeah, so you're, like, you're, you're young enough, uh, you'd be maybe similar age to myself. I'm 23. What age are you exactly now? I'm 25. 25. So, yeah, so you're, you're still a, a young buck, as they say. Um, so... Why? So, just diving a bit more into Experiment Twenty Seven. Why would uh, an agency want to hire a team rather than going internal? Maybe making hires themselves or kind of doing it that way. Sure. So I've I've seen um, and there's there's a lot of uh, so I've seen a lot of issues with marketing at, at larger agencies. I've, I've seen larger agencies. Um, I talked to one that was twenty million dollars in revenue, had a marketing person, and yet was still getting it was over ninety percent of their leads from referrals. And that's for for some reason that's normal in the marketing or in the uh, agency space to keep growing and to not have a marketing person and to have a sales team that doesn't do any cold emailing they just rely on inbound leads. Um, so I come in as somebody that is uh, willing to to set a uh, key performance indicator that's tied to revenue, right? Most marketing hires that I've found, uh, they'll work on content or they'll do a lot of like random tasks that aren't actually tied to revenue. So if an agency brings in Experiment 27, they know that we're at least going to have a goal of a 10 times ROI. Like our goal is not going to be generate 20 pieces of content, right? Um, And we come to it with a little bit of a track record. Most of the marketing hires that I've seen are either an agency will bring on a junior marketing person that's fresh out of college or it's somebody that has experience in a a world that's not agency marketing. Most of the time, it's actually uh, they'll hire for B2C marketing. and they'll try to use that marketing person on their uh, their clients' projects. Um, but a B2C marketer, someone who's good at marketing to, to consumers, is going to be very different from somebody that's marketing to businesses. And actually, it's going to be different than somebody who's marketing to agencies. So I see them as three completely different skill sets. And if an agency is investing in one guy that they think can do all of it, that's how they end up running into, into issues. So we come in and we're the guy that just focuses on marketing the agencies themselves. Now that sounds great because I know myself in business, you kind of, it's very easy to get caught up working in the business rather than on the business itself. Uh, so you're kind of focusing on what you have and you get re- your referrals, like you said, rather than kind of going out and cold calling and stuff. So, um, yeah, and there's a lot of agencies that, um, that don't drink their own Kool-Aid. So like uh, web development agencies that have shitty websites or marketing agencies that have really bad marketing. And it's, 
if it was just one company, I'd say, you know, that guy was really bad at business, but it's industry wide. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from just being distracted with client projects. We've seen the same at 27. I've had to hire, uh, we have a full-time marketing guy just doing our marketing because our marketing team couldn't do it for us. Like we had to hire somebody just to focus on our own marketing. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so I know one of your big areas, uh, from watching your YouTube channel is obviously cold calling and lead generation. So, uh, what, what would be your preferred form of cold calling, uh, whether it's email or over the phone or, uh, what, what's your preferred method and what kind of are your best strategies? I, you don't want to give away too many secrets now, I know, but, uh, if you had any advice for people out there who are looking, they're getting too many referrals, or, well, I suppose not too many, but their main source of kind of new work is through referrals. What advice would you give to them if they want to get into cold calling themselves? I don't think I've ever been one for not giving away too many secrets, man. <laughs> That's good, yeah. <laughs> um, so the biggest piece of advice is uh, to think about how all your competitors are positioning themselves and then try to do the opposite of that. I always assume that if everybody's doing something, they're most likely wrong. Um, so if, you're, if you've ever been in an agency situation or even at a startup, uh, you've gotten these emails from other development companies where it's just like, hey, we do iOS development. Uh, Android development. If you have any projects, let me know. So it's just like very bullet pointed out uh, and like uh, an order taker mentality. What we found uh, when it comes to cold calling and cold emailing is what it actually takes is uh, doing more of uh, an account-based selling approach. So making a list of a few types of companies that you want to work for, coming up with a specific solution for each one of those. Most of the time it's based on a case study that uh, has happened in the past and then pitching that uh, specifically. So right now, Dom and Tom is actually a client of ours um, still, and we're doing cold emailing and cold calling for them. And one of their biggest apps in the last two years was this uh, app called OU Bound that they built for this uh, university called the University of Oklahoma to help them optimize the student onboarding process. So what we did from that is we decided to take that type of app and pitch it to all the universities in the United States. So there's about 407-ish universities, and we developed an email marketing campaign that's customized cold emails pitching that. And Letitia, who's our cold caller for that account, is cold calling these agencies and, and basically pitching that specific idea rather than pitching that we can build anything. Just let us know what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So I suppose you need to have that kind of uh, social proof or testimonial, obviously case study, just to, to show that you know what you're about. Like, it's very easy for me to say, oh, I'll build, build a website for you. But if you can't prove, prove you've had the good results in the past, especially if it's something different like cold calling, when you're cold calling, like you need to, to have that bit of extra social proof there as well. But uh, well, it's um, it's it's more than that. I I, I don't think it's uh, just the social proof. I think it's um, the understanding of their problems and then yeah. the giving of a solution. So True, yeah. you know, even if even if uh, Dom and Tom never built a new student onboarding app, if I had said, hey, I know that new student onboarding is a big problem for you. Uh, there's this other app that's launched at this other university. Like, let's say Dom and Tom never built that, but oh, somebody yeah. else built that app. Yeah. Like, hey, there's this other app that's built at, at this other university that's improving student onboarding. I'd love to talk about maybe building something similar for you, right? That's tying your company to a case study of another company. True, that will yeah. work just well. It's not social proof. That is understanding the problem and being able to pitch to it. Yeah. So uh, moving on a bit now. Uh, so I'm sure you're... I know you're very busy in your position with Experiment 27, but how, and you have a big team to manage. How do you go about managing your own day? Uh, do you sit down the night before and kind of plan it out piece by piece, or would you just kind of take it on the fly and just have a to-do list and work through that? What, what would your approach be planning, planning your own day? 
Yeah, so I have a um, I have a mastermind call with like three friends. We've been doing this for like two years, and every week on every Sunday we'll go through our goals for the week. So I always base my weeks and my days on on those goals for the week. I always try to come up with like two or three big goals. Mostly uh, recently, it's just been stuff around content creation because everything else is pretty much outsourced. And then the other parts of my day are based around meetings. So like. You know, this podcast interview is an hour. Maybe I'll have I have another uh, podcast interview after this for a half hour and then like a client call and one on ones, a product sync. So my days are basically full of like standing meetings and client meetings. And then I try to just fit in other work uh, around it. Most of the most of the work I'm doing right now is content creation, though, um, and then and then client calls. So it kind of um, it kind of like builds on itself. Um, and then in terms of actually getting stuff done. I've got a text document that's on the right side of my screen at all times. I've been doing this ever since I was at Dom and Tom, where I'll just list the uh, like three or four things I have for the day. And then at the top, I'll have like some big goals. So right now, I'm trying to save uh, $200,000. Um, so I've got you know however much money I need to save left uh, on that goal right now. Yeah, that's good. I suppose that's one thing a lot of people don't do. They don't have a very visual, a visual of their goals or if they don't have them... I have a whiteboard beside me where I write down my daily, what I want to get done, my priorities and that type of stuff. What I find as well, if people do even make to-do lists or these types of things, like it's always 10, 15, 20 things. And if you only get half of it accomplished in one day, you kind of, you feel like you haven't really done much during the day. And you, you often kind of do the busy work, like the small tasks and you don't get to the, the tasks. It's like the 80, 20, like the, the 20% of the, items on your list that will give you 80% of the results it's very easy to kind of put them on the back burner so uh, that's a very very good way of, of uh, yeah, yourself. yeah so that's stuff that normally I would do but I, I don't want to do it so I outsource it right. um, the other stuff is sales for experiment 27 we hired two sales guys uh, because I didn't want to send cold emails anymore so I hired two two sales guys to do it for me and they're better than me Ronaldo's better than me at marketing and the sales guys are better than me at sales so <laughs> that it's actually netted out positive exactly yeah no it pays for itself then so obviously you're talking about outsourcing. I know you're you'd be maybe not a fan, but you've read a lot of Tim Ferriss's work. Uh, I'm not sure if you checked out his new book, Tales of the Titans. Um, I've just flicked. Haven't I flicked through it now. It's very very good. But if you've listened to this podcast, obviously it's it's a lot of stuff that's contained there. But uh, who would be people in the sales and marketing line of things uh, that you'd follow? Uh, like what is there any particular? blogs or youtube channels you'd watch or read yourself to kind of get these people's perspectives on their on marketing and sales uh so it's all really uh dependent on the problems i'm trying to solve so like if i like if i need to learn how to do cold calling better i'll google or i'll youtube uh how to cold call and i'll just watch whatever random videos pop up it's not like specific people that i'm that i'm following in terms of like marketing gurus like people i like i mean I used to follow Neil Patel a lot. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Neville Medora, the copywriting guy. Um, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk's all over my feed. Lewis House is on my Instagram, but like, I'm not really like religiously following him, yeah. That stuff. Yeah, I, I think most of the uh, most of like the business stuff, like beside like what I'm doing is like hardcore tutorial videos on YouTube. But like most of the bigger YouTubers are all about business motivation. 
So that's that's what I use them for. Like if I'm going through Instagram or whatever, and I see like you know hustle harder or something like that, it really it, it does kind of keep me going. So you're you're talking about these guys who like push the kind of motivation, like Gary V and these types of guys. I know you had a very funny video about how to make your own motivational video with the the powerful music. If you put it to anything you're saying, the powerful music will say motivating. So uh, that, I find that that pretty funny. But um, just what what would be the the biggest mistakes you'd see uh, businesses make on a regular basis, whether it's in marketing or sales, like, are there any things that stand out to you that you see a lot of the time? Like, I know you said you look at what everyone else is doing, you kind of do the opposite of that, like, whatever the majority is doing, you steer, steer clear from that. What, what would be the things you'd see again and again that just don't achieve the right results? Yeah, I think the the biggest one is not focusing on revenue or not focusing on sales enough. Um, even a lot of agencies, uh, they'll get bogged down with the work or freelancers even will get distracted by doing the work for this current month and they won't think about the next month. Um, and sales is like the only thing really worth focusing. So it, in agencies, there's, there's two sides of the coin, right? There's money, like the, the revenue side selling, and then the other side is production. Um, and I think people focus a lot on production. Um, and then when production is doing well, then they focus on sales and it's like very up and down. Um, whereas I think if most companies focused on revenue first uh, and sales first, they could be a lot more successful. And that's what I've been trying to do at X27 is just try to hit those sales numbers every single month. And what's happened is the more money we make, the better our production gets because we're able to hire better people. Uh, that's something that even, so even a lot of like mobile apps and other B2C startups fail at is revenue up front. I think businesses don't exist without revenue. And in B2B, that means uh, focusing on sales and, and marketing first. Definitely. Yeah. And I suppose when you're in more of a service-based industry as well, you don't have the, the high cost. You can kind of, as you said, build as you go. You can hire more people as your revenues increase. Uh, so where where would you hire your people? Are all your team, like, are they all based somewhere or are they based around the world? Or how did you get in touch with these people? And how did you go about the hiring process? Yeah, so everyone on our team is nomads. Um, you know, they live forever. We don't have an office or anything like that. Um, I, I assume everyone works best when they're in hotel rooms and unshaved stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so you're, you're but, just just to brief aside, so you're in Las Vegas in a hotel at the moment. <laughs> so uh, he's going out to do a bit of gambling. I'm sure. Now. <laughs> uh, I I I try not to gamble too much, man. Like the first twenty minutes I was in Vegas, I took five dollars and put it into a blackjack machine. Just to see if I if I was gonna win or lose, and I lost the five dollars within like five minutes. And that was, awesome. was not even five. Minutes. It was it was like thirty or forty seconds, like five, <laughs> like two hands. And uh, yeah, then I decided not to gamble the rest of the time. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a wise wise decision. <laughs> yeah, uh, I found uh, everyone on my team through AngelList so far, except for my co-founder Robert. I found through Noah Kagan's uh, private Facebook group. Um, I hired him as a copywriter uh, first to do blog content, and then he just kind of transitioned from. $25 an hour to like a monthly salary and became co-founder. Um, everyone else is, is AngelList. I've had really good luck uh, just posting up a job board, uh, doing a bunch of interviews, giving test projects, so making sure that they're going to actually do the work. Um, when I give a test project, about 70% of people will never respond to that. So of those 30%, usually it's, it's good people. Uh, so I've been actually really quick to hire. And then I also believe in firing really quick. Um, so I, I think our team's in a really good spot. Um, in terms of good people, but it it took uh, growing to about fifteen people and then hire and then firing half of them uh, with, over the course of about thirty days to get to this 
point. That's good, Lisa. You're in a good spot now. Uh, so, obviously, if everyone's uh, not in the same office, they're all digital nomads, as you said. Uh, what's, uh, what's the best way you find to manage them all or to give out projects you use? Uh, something like uh, Basecamp or one of these uh, types of software. How do you manage manage the team on a daily basis? So I have uh, this guy Istvan, who's based in Romania, who's our project manager. So he takes care of all the all the management of everyone. We use um, a lot of Google Docs to to keep everyone informed. So we'll have custom Google Docs basically for each project. Um, it's like a, a Google Sheet. I like to use color coded management. So on the business owner side, me and my co-founder will have all of our accounts. And then Istvan's job is to update the accounts based on uh, how they're doing in terms of the color. So like if an account's red, then I'll get mad or whatever. I'll say like, hey, what? Like, how do we how do we make that yellow or how do we make that green? Um, otherwise, if it's green, I don't really you know discuss it or, or talk about it too much. Um, in terms of chat tools, uh, our production team uses Slack a lot. And then our sales team, uh, it's only three of us. So our sales team uses messages. Uh, which is like that that default uh, text message tool on the iMac. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'm oh, sure it's still, it does the job. And I, um, so a, f- yeah. a few minutes ago, you were talking about your uh, kind of sales targets and review targets. What do you find the best method to set your, whether it's the amount of emails you send out, cold emails, or whether it's kind of other metrics you'd measure your business by? What, what, uh, so what way would you set those targets? Like, do you say you're sending out cold emails? I presume you don't. You focus on quality over quantity a lot of the time. You don't send out hundreds and hundreds a day. Or do you focus on kind of a fewer amount? Like, how do you find that kind of perfect medium between the two? Right. Um, so my general, like, uh, the, the framework that I use is we're in business to business, right? It's not like we're selling to a million people. There are maybe... I don't know, a thousand agencies that we could work with, like over $2 million in revenue, probably less, honestly. There's maybe like 400 people that we could work with. So spamming all of them does not make any sense. <laughs> it's better to uh, break the, uh, the, gr- the uh, people up into different groups and then send emails based on that. Um, so our sales team targets about 150 emails a week, uh, but most of those are touching previous clients and just sending more information. Um, and then in terms of actual coming up with sales goals. Uh, I based the sales goals of our current team off of what I was able to do myself. I was closing about six deals a month. Uh, so I figured if we, if they're better salesmen than me, they should close more. So I just rounded up to 10 and their goal is 10 each, uh, which should equal about 2 million in revenue by the end of the year in new business total, um, which, which should be good, man. And, you know, is that the best way to measure stuff? Probably not. Are we on track to hit our goals? So far, it's uh, too early to tell. It's yeah. almost the end of January, but who, know, who knows, right? Who I'll knows, have a better idea. I'll have more stuff to say by the end of this quarter. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so you briefly touched on then your goals for the year, or maybe you kinda, you're kind of you not too sure about it, but uh, do you have a long-term vision for Experiment 27? Maybe, like, say, 10 years down the road, what? Do you have a vision for that, or on a personal level, maybe? Like, do you still plan on being doing what you're doing now, or...? Have you thought that far down the road? Uh, I, I've tried to think down that road, but I don't, I don't know how sustainable it is. Like, I'm living full-time in basically hotels, and, like, I try to change cities every couple months. Like, I, I don't actually know personally how sustainable that is. In terms of the business, um, as long as we're delivering 10x value for our clients, there's no reason we can't continue to exist or get acquired or continue to grow or just all this stuff, whether I'm running it or someone else is running it. Like, literally, like, 
if we have a system in place that's consistently generating revenue, there's no reason the business uh, should fail. So I see no, um, yeah, so I see it lasting for, for a long time, for sure. Um, so another question, something else you just touched upon there. So you travel around a lot. So what kind of gave you the spark to, to live that lifestyle? Uh, like being a digital nomad kind of how long would you spend on a one specific place and then move on to the next or how would you go about this and plan it out sure so i don't actually know why i was wanting to be a digital nomad i think it, it stems from college i went to college in like uh naples florida which was out on the beach but it was very it was like two or three hours from like everything so i felt kind of like trapped there so it's probably like me wanting to experience a bunch of other stuff at once. Um, but I decided to, to do, I, I used to do about a city every month. And then I kind of burned out on that. I did two or three months in San Francisco last year. And then I've been in Wichita, Kansas, which is the cheapest city in America. I had to Google it to find that. Um, I've been there about four months. I'm going to probably be there till March. And then I might do it. I might do a city a month again. I don't know. I, I, I find that I work best when I have some structure. So like right now in this hotel room, uh, I've been in Vegas now for about a week ish, and it's very hard to to be productive in a hotel room, <laughs> especially um, in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. especially in Vegas, sure, but I I, I think anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, even if I don't leave the hotel or you know try to lock myself in this room, uh, a lot of the triggers that cause productivity are are from our environment. So, like you know, if you wake up at seven a.m. every morning and you make eggs, and then you go for a walk, and then you sit down to work, every time you move locations, all those triggers get reset. Uh, and you can use that for good or you can use that for bad, right? Like if you end up, um, whenever I end up like eating a bunch of like snack foods or like eating a bunch of candy, I like to go on vacation to like reset that because when I come back, I have the ability to, to set a bunch of healthy habits, but it works the opposite as well. If I'm always on vacation, I'm constantly needing to use willpower to reset those habits. <laughs> so uh, do you find co-working spaces then when you're in these cities or how, where do you go to, to do your work if you're not working in your, your room or your hotel room? Or did you find an office for yourself for a few weeks? I like, um, no, I just like the home office. I like being alone uh, and just living in the computer. It really helps me convince myself that I'm just kind of playing a video game and not engaging with real life. And that, that makes it easier for me. So That's fair enough. That's a good <laughs> answer. Yeah. So uh, what then, if you had any recommendations for someone living the, the nomad lifestyle, have you just based yourself in the United States or... Uh, have you traveled elsewhere and worked as you go? Yeah, I think it, a lot of it depends on the job. Um, so I was in Dubai and I was in Thailand and a bunch of these uh, countries on the other side of the world for us, same side of the world for you. Uh, but the time zones really get to me. Anytime I change time zones, I, I find it really hard to like stay in it. So even going from central time to Pacific time in the U.S., uh, Wichita to Vegas, like these two hours is throwing me off. Instead of 7.15, I'm waking up at 5.15 a.m. But in Dubai, like I was having to work at like 12 a.m. to get these calls. Uh, so I try to stay. I try to stay in this hemisphere. Is that the right word? I try to stay on this side of the of the earth so that time zones don't get too. Up. No, that's that sounds wise. Uh, what? So if you had to recommend maybe one or two places that were your favorite, how first of all, how long have you been living this lifestyle for? Since you've left university, or how long? Uh, since I started X27, oh, maybe a little over, a little longer, so maybe like two years. So Before that, I was living in New York full-time. So what then, if you had a kind of one or two places to recommend to someone check out if they're 
doing this? What, what would be those locations? Yeah. So I think a lot of it depends on your goals. Um, I'm a big fan of LA just cause it's right now it's like, uh, it's kind of like how San Francisco used to be. Like it's very heating up in the startup scene and it's not nearly as expensive as SF. Um, I like the vibe of Chicago. Um, it's a lot of like old school business people. So there's not too much tech there, but like, I really like architecture and stuff like that. Oh, it's beautiful. And then, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. And then if you just need to focus and like build your business, uh, the first city I moved to when I started X27 was downtown Las Vegas, like pretty close to where I am right now, actually. And it's just, it's chill because you can chill downtown. You're not taken away from all these hotels and stuff, but then you still have stuff to do. And I think that's actually the best um, place to build a business is something like that. Or even um, any any setup like that is good. So like uh, New Jersey, but not in New York, where you can easily go to New York, I think would be a good setup. Even like suburbs. Uh, outside of major cities like Plano, Texas, outside of Dallas, or like anything, anything like that would be ideal. Um, but th- think about your goals, right? If your goal is to build a company, you want to make sure that it's as distraction-free as possible while you're actually working. Yeah. But then also, you need to be able to do fun stuff so you don't get burned out. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. I definitely, yeah, no, it's a it's a very interesting concept, and I know more and more people are are buying into it now. Uh, I, I know you're busy, so I only got a couple more questions for you. I'll just do a few kind of quick quick fire questions now uh so if you had a few book say three book recommendations that could be on it anything from uh marketing sales health general like personal improvement whatever what three book recommendations would you have for people three book recommendations um i actually really like onward by howard schultz um especially if you're anywhere in the business consulting space it's really helpful it's basically uh oh i'm actually going to do a youtube video on this on friday in a couple days but Howard Schultz uh, is the CEO of Starbucks, and what he did is he built the company to a certain level, then he stopped being CEO. And this book is all about when he came back to be Starbucks CEO and how he rebooted a company that was failing. And I, I really like that concept, especially because that's, that's what we're doing as marketing consultants most of the time. That's, that's what I'm doing anyway, is seeing something that from an outside perspective that the owners haven't been able to see and then implementing that. Uh, so I found that book really helpful. Uh, the other book I really liked was... Um, the the Arnold Schwarzenegger biography. Oh, total Recall, yeah, yeah it's good. good yeah, read, Total Recall. Yeah. That one's a really good example of like a guy that's lived so many careers. Oh, it's crazy. I, I think that, <laughs> yeah, oh. Exactly. He's um he's really inspiring because yeah Definitely. he started as a bodybuilder then he went into real estate became mm. a real estate mogul then he became a movie star <laughs> then he became a governor. and I think he's a really good example of using uh, leverage to like using success in one career Definitely. to like yeah. yourself to another career. And it it really helps. Uh, it helped me see at least like how much uh, one can get done mm-hmm. in, in a life. Uh, so I really like Total Recall. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, those are two. If well, that's you're two, two is enough yeah, to get started with. I don't <laughs> if you're still working on finances, I, I actually found I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. Uh, really helpful when I was first getting started, like uh, first trying to figure out like what a bank account is and everything. Yeah, it's just uh, uh, get the, the groundwork. Yeah, now Ramit, yeah, he has a lot of interesting, uh, interesting content. Uh, so ne- next question, do you see any big trends coming on the horizon, whether it's in marketing or just kind of in general uh, in the f- future, there'll be big trends coming up? Uh, I mean, I find I see more business people going to YouTube. I think YouTube's going to keep growing as a, uh, as a marketing channel. Um, I think these niche sites like Growth Hackers um, are, uh, are actually going to go away. <laughs> Gee, that's a big um, statement. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But like how often, like, okay, 
even even the non-niche sites. So I think Cora's dying for one. Um, I think growth hackers and like inbound.org and sites like that are uh, are going to go away in favor of of more general sites like Reddit and uh, Facebook groups. And then in terms of like actual marketing and what's going to work, I actually don't think that's going to change at all. Um, the specific tactics are going to change. So what it takes to rank number one on Google, like whether to optimize for directories, whether to go on podcasts or do YouTube, I think all of those tactics are going to change. But as long as you can get in the mindset of the person that's buying from you and then try to figure out what they would do to find you as a company and then do those things, uh, that's never going to change. Or at least it's not going to change until we're, um, we're in some kind of Star Trek-like scenario. Where we're- <laughs> a few years, yes, <laughs> until we're, we're there. Yeah. And we're, uh, so yeah. That was a very good answer, very insightful. Um, so another question, a quick question was, uh, if you had to recommend a couple of habits for people to in- implement, whether it's... Uh, I don't know, like I know a lot of people like uh, find med- meditation very good. Or what well, are there any habits? To, maybe two habits that you think people should implement into their daily lives and achieve a lot of improvement. So the number one habit, um, the number one habit that I found to actually be successful is hiring other people to do work for for me. Um, I always assume that I'm not going to get stuff done if I'm assigned to do it. But if somebody's job is to do something, they'll do it. Uh, so hire as much as possible, whether it's freelancers to do random stuff for you or people to do your full-time job while you work on your side business or people to do your side business job while you're working your full-time job. Hiring people has been the number one thing that's that's been driving my success. Like, uh, I would not still be doing Experiment 27 if I didn't hire Robert early. Uh, so that's that's the biggest one. And then the second biggest one, or the sec- the other one that's actually – really changed my life is uh, those weekly mastermind calls. So if you can find like two or three people that are in a similar scenario than you, similar spot, and just hop on weekly calls, like our calls are like 20 minutes long. And we just go, we literally just go through our goals for last week, what happened, why we couldn't succeed. And then our goals for this week and what we're going to do and why. Like those two habits, if you start hiring people and you start doing weekly mastermind calls, Come one year from now, one year of implementing both of those, you should be in a much different spot. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how much like having a, that accountability like I know when I said I was I was thinking for a long while about starting a podcast and then I kind of I said it to someone a friend and he was like oh yeah like he kept me accountable to it he was like oh what when, when is it up like oh when when are you doing your interviews and that kind of yeah it, it really is powerful like you, you, some people mightn't think it is but you know I, I'm not in a weekly accountability group but oh, it's definitely something I'd be looking into now um, another two great habits yeah definitely I definitely need to kind of outsource a lot more work as well. I only do a little bit at the moment, so I'm definitely going to look into that. Uh, so I just have... Yeah, even if, you, even if you can't afford it. I started outsourcing onto credit cards. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, could, I couldn't afford it, man. I wasn't making that much money before. Yeah. But it, it, it all nets out. Oh, yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, something a lot of people don't don't think cool. about. So it's definitely worth looking into. Um, so just uh, three short questions left there. So what what's the best business advice you've ever gotten? Yeah. I got this piece of advice uh, from Tom from Dom and Tom, and I also got it from Neville uh, from Copywriting Course, uh, both at two different times, and it's really helped. And that advice is services businesses are the easiest to start because um, it's basically just trading your time for money, and you could start those with just an idea. The first business I started was a menu rewriting company, and uh, I was on a, a call with uh, Neville Medora. And I was just being like a little bitch about going into this uh, into this restaurant to sell, and he's like, dude, just, just do like, hey, I don't know the owner of the restaurant or anything. And he he took like one second, Googled it, and he was like, I know who the owner is. I'll, I'll show you right here. And so the only thing that was stopping me from starting that for services business was 
my, my mindset, right? It wasn't that I didn't have the skills. It wasn't that I didn't have a product that worked. Um, it's literally just the mindset. So services are, are the easiest businesses to start. If you are on the fence at all about being an entrepreneur, that's the way to get in, right? So come up with a service people will buy and not even come up with a service people will buy. Find a service that people will buy already uh, that you can kind of do or fake your way into and then sell that. Definitely, because a lot of people think... Uh... Oh, getting into business is a big, huge commitment. But like, you can like dip your toes in the water. Like what I did when I started out doing freelance work, whether it's copywriting or consulting, marketing work. Uh, I just started off on the side while I was during my summer holidays at university. I just went on to Upwork. It was Elance back then when Elance was still around. You know, I just kind of took a few projects here and there, and uh, like I wasn't it wasn't cost me, and I didn't have to like buy an LLC or I didn't have to have a website or any of these things like literally I just just apply for a job and from there like I had no cost except as you said uh, exchanging my time for money so it's definitely something and if you see it successful like you can make a full time living good like you just scale it up from there so I think uh, a lot of people are just kind of hesitant to kind of get get started so no that's definitely great advice great business advice there well and it goes back to what we're talking about, what we were, one of the first things we talked about, right, which is you don't have to commit to anything for years, right? Just because you went on Upwork and you started doing projects, that doesn't mean that you necessarily had to keep doing projects for the rest of your life, right? Eventually, that revenue would allow you to hire more people, scale out your agency, or that revenue would allow you to invest in real estate or, you know, go and build an app. Like, you could... Do Once anything, you have yeah. a little bit of money, you can do anything. Yeah. That's that's the thing I always recommend to people who say, "Oh, I don't, I don't know what I should be doing." I say, "Oh, well, try, try these different things, and you'll find out what you don't want to do." So just by like kind of doing that, you say you try app development, you try website design, blah blah. blah. You, you find out if you don't like it or you do like it, and you'll eventually stumble across what you do enjoy doing. So yeah, that's it. Just take taking action, I suppose, and not just just talking or thinking about it. Yeah, I've never been able to convince myself uh, what I what I like is like I've never been able to convince myself of my passion. So like the things that I think I want to do in my heart are like uh, like music making or filmmaking or stuff like that. Um, and like, but every time I dip my toe and like try to do the work, I always like uh, or I, I end up like not liking it. So for music, I really like sometimes sitting down and writing songs and I'll post them up. I've got a SoundCloud actually where I post songs up there. And then like for filmmaking, writing scripts is like super tough for me. Uh, I wrote one movie script. I'm hoping we're going to produce it later this year. But like most of that, the only reason I was able to get that script done completely was because I had $500 to hire somebody on Fiverr to write most of the bones of it. And then I just rewrote yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. Outsourcing it. It is, but it, it's also, it goes back to having, yeah, it's like, if you if you can find an extra two or three thousand dollars a month like just to do random shit with, uh, you can you can accelerate your life a lot. It's it's exactly like what uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did, right? Like before he became a movie star, his lifestyle was funded with real estate, and the real estate allowed him to only go after leading man roles. Whereas like if he was just a struggling actor, like a co- like coffee shop worker, he probably never would have made it. Definitely, yeah. No, it's it's a great way of looking at it. Um... So I just have two short questions. So is there any quote you live your life by or you try and if you're kind of, you find you're not focused on what you should be doing that it kind of kicks you back into your, your funk or your groove? Uh, I don't know if you have a quote or a saying that kind of resonates with you. So the, there's no real quote that I use right now for like my life. Uh, the one that I use for sales is what would you recommend if the client was your friend? 
Uh, and I used to actually have that written on a piece of paper, like above my desk uh, at Dom and Tom. But that's that's been like the thing that's uh, that's helped a lot when it comes to sales, right? If if you're talking to and you want to help their business, you'll recommend things that will actually help them, right? And I always try to recommend things, whether it's my own services or other people's services that will actually help them. Um, I was on a call yesterday with somebody and they were an agency and they wanted us to partner with them to help them do marketing for their mobile app clients, like for their actual clients. And whenever that happens, I know we're not good at marketing mobile apps, right? If we were good at marketing mobile apps, maybe we'd be a mobile app marketing company. But one of my friends, Michael, uh, does run this mobile app marketing company called Ladder. So I recommended I recommended him and did an intro over there. Oh, yeah. So that's that's another thing. I, I, uh, p- partnerships yeah. are very powerful. Like people, I think forget about it. Like if they're in your situation, they'd be like, "Oh no, sorry, I don't do that." Whereas if you're kind of, it works both ways. I'm sure as well. If your your friend has a, a digital agency that are looking for for someone to do service he doesn't provide and you provide, they'll send them on. Like it's a mutually beneficial thing. Uh, it's great time. Maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he exactly. doesn't. I don't <laughs> think about him. Who knows? I think about uh, if that guy that I was talking to yesterday was my friend yeah. and he had a real issue with mobile app marketing, me saying, oh, I don't know anyone who does that isn't going to help him at oh, all. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, even if I didn't know Michael, I, it's, like, I, it, it wouldn't help anybody if I didn't know a company that was good at mobile yeah, app marketing. Yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, definitely. Um, so... Probably my one of my main last questions here is uh, what common attributes do you see in successful people, whether it's in business or like anything like, you know, you're talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. What are the, like the one or two kind of uh, attributes you see in them that kind of not everyone else has? Uh, they they start. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger started by lifting weights as like a uh... He wanted to be a bodybuilder in Germany, and then eventually he wanted to become a bodybuilder in America. Then eventually he wanted to become a real estate guy, then an actor. Like he just came. Uh, Tom from Dom and Tom. Like I, I, I consider him a mentor. He, him, and his twin brother just one day were sick of their lawyer jobs and decided to just throw a conference teaching CTOs how to make mobile apps. And it kicked <laughs> and off. Yeah, uh, my little brother is working on EDM music. He wants to be a DJ and. You know, for for a long time, his music was like pretty derivative. It sounded like every other DJ. Now he's like finding his own sound. Uh, I think starting is is the thing that, that makes people successful. Starting and then consistently working. Yeah, it's it's no not really a secret as well. I think people are always trying to find out uh, the one thing that will the one key to unlock everything. But it's just like it's everyone knows how to do it. They just have to do it. So uh, I know you're extremely busy. So thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I've gotten a lot of a lot of value out of this talk myself, and I know. I'm sure the people listening as well uh, will drive a lot of benefit from it. So uh, just if you have any parting advice to people, uh, what would it be? Or Sure. I mean, the advice is it's everything's a lot easier or a lot more straightforward than you than you think it is. <laughs> that's that's the advice. You already know in your heart what you want to be doing. Uh, it's it's going to just take uh, li- listening to yourself and trusting yourself. One of the one of the things. I keep saying one of the things that's helped me the most, but all these things have really helped me a, a shit ton. Uh, a thing that's helped me a lot is I, for a while, I, I had a notebook that I would write ideas down in uh, when I first started like getting into business. And I found that I would have these ideas and then like the next morning I would wake up and I'd look at the ideas and I'd, I'd say that they were crappy and I just wouldn't do anything with them. Um, until one night I wrote, trust yourself in this, uh, in this notebook. And uh, I find that that, that is key. Trusting yourself is key, right? If at one point in time you thought something was an amazing idea, 
just because you wake up the next morning and you think it's a shitty idea doesn't mean it's a shitty idea. Why can't your past self be right? Why can't it be an amazing idea? Well, it's f- powerful, yeah. Be yourself, I suppose, is the one thing. Like, if, if everyone just remember that and just stay, stay true to what you want and not to be kind of trying to fit in and do what everyone else is doing just to kind of beat your... Not even beat your own drum for the sake of doing it, but just follow follow your I know it sounds cheesy but follow your heart or whatever you want to whatever you want to do so uh, I really really enjoyed that conversation um, I think it was a very good podcast and uh, I, I suppose where where is the best place for people to find more more out about you or Experiment 27 what would be the best platforms to find you on sure if you want free content uh, about sales training or agency marketing check out b2bsalestraining.org that'll redirect to the YouTube channel and then if you want to work with us for agency marketing if you need support for your agency marketing check out experiment27.com Alright, that's great thanks very much Alex for coming on and uh, I wish you all the best in all your future endeavours Yeah, same Andrew thanks for having me Thanks for listening to episode 6 of the Turning Point Show podcast with Alex Berman this conversation now personally I got a lot out of and hopefully you got something out of it also. Alex is one of many exciting guests we have lined up in the coming weeks so um, really looking forward to what the future holds for the podcast. So I'd like to take this moment to say a big thank you for all the support I've received to date. It's hard to believe we're six episodes in already and you know anyone who's listened on iTunes, Android stitcher youtube etc you know thanks a million and i really appreciate it if you know somebody who get a lot of value out of this episode and be interested in what we talked about this week or in previous weeks uh, it'd be great if you could maybe let them know about the podcast and see if they're interested just to keep this growing week on week so thanks again for listening take care and we'll talk to you next week <laughs>